What's up, everybody? Terminal Transmissions coming back at you again mm-hmm. for the way too many at the time. 42. I'm Danny. I'm Garrett. Uh, so, Terminal Transmissions is a little twice-weekly podcast. We like to get into nerdy shit, talk about pop culture like TV, science and technology, movies, and video games. And, we, you know, we like to talk about our theories and uh, rumors and all that kind of shit, but also offer actual real information. Yeah, but sometimes, we do sometimes. Con- we do conject a lot. Yes. And so, we talk uh, about stuff that's might not actually happen. Oh, yeah. Stuff that might not happen. We go off on tangents. We talk about <laughs> things that might happen in alternate timelines or dimensions. Um, but as Garrett mentioned, this is episode 42, mm-hmm. uh, which is way too many. I don't know how this has happened. It's Somebody needs to, there needs to be more checks and balances on podcasts <laughs> is all I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, today we're going to get into an upcoming Stranger in a Strange Land TV series, which is an old Heinlein novel. Yes. Um, we're going to talk about a new Kickstarter for a product called Sense. Which, believe it or not, senses your mood. Uh, <laughs> topical. And topical. Uh, we're going to talk about the next Assassin's Creed game and sort of some like changes uh, to the actual sort of uh, world building style that uh, Ubisoft has decided to go with. Uh, and then we're going to get into how it turns out that the Dune movie and TV rights just got bought by Legendary. So that might lead to something wild and crazy. Yes. So uh, dipping our balls right into TV, <laughs> which is always first. We always go with TV first. Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, some that we've, we're getting a Stranger in a Strange Land uh, TV series. Uh, I'm a big Heinlein fan. Yeah. Um, more so than his novels, actually, adaptations of his novels. Yeah. Uh, Starship Troopers is one of my favorite movies of all oh, time. Yeah, it's so good. It's at least in the top six. Yeah. Which is not the top five, but it's the next best thing. <laughs> Literally. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't get any closer to five than six, unless it's four, and Starship Troopers ain't up there. Right. Um. <laughs> But yeah, so Sci-Fi Channel uh, is planning on making like a, a Stranger in a Strange Land oh, TV series, which in previous years would have frightened the shit out of me. Yeah. But having just watched The Expanse and now watching Channel Zero, mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty impressed with both of those shows. Okay. They're a lot better than anything Sci-Fi has put out in like... Since Farscape. Yeah. So like 20 years. Right. Maybe um, Sliders. Lex. Oh, Lex off the chain. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's some teats and a dick ship. <laughs> You don't know what Lex is. It's just Farscape with more dicks. Um, Prove me wrong. It was, <laughs> yeah, inarguably, it was basically the exact premise of Farscape, pretty much. And then everything was like related to sex. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it had way more fallacies, which I think is not the right word, but you know what I mean. Um, so, anyhow, yeah. So, it, for those of you who don't know, Stranger in a Strange Land is a 1961. Mm-hmm. Novel by Heinlein, which, uh, if you've never read any of his shit, he has really solid sci-fi, but the dude was weird. Oh, definitely. And it turned out that later on, we th- it was discovered that he had, like, actual... Yeah, neuro- neurodegenerative diseases. Yeah. But it led to his books getting real wild and, and cool later in his yeah, career. Yeah. But then they went kind of maximum deep end. Yeah, sure. Uh, but anyway, so it's about a character named Valentine Michael Smith, who is basically a Martian. Um, he was born on Mars, not an alien, but he's a human born on Mars. And he travels to Earth uh, as a young man, and it sort of 
it's about like him learning about Western culture, having grown up with Martians on, you know, on Mars. Um, but it's a really good book. It definitely like basically flopped when it came out. Yeah. Um, but then in like the seventies, the late sixties and seventies is mm-hmm. it picked up with like hippie culture right. and actually blew up then and became sort oh, of yeah. like a cult thing. Oh yeah. Um, cult, like cult phenomenon, mm-hmm. not like, uh, <laughs> the Kool-Aid people. Um, <laughs> hopefully. But the thing that I thought was coolest about the news is like the stack of executive producers that are attached to it. Did you see the uh-uh, list? No, I didn't. So at the, all, all these people are attached to executive produce. Bradley Fisher, who worked on Black Swan and Shutter Island. Oh, wow. Uh, James Vanderbilt, who worked on The Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, William Chirac, who worked on The Avengers. Scott Rudin, who walked on no, worked on No Country for Old Men. Okay. Uh, Garrett Bosch, who worked on The Night Of. And Eli Bush, who worked on The Grand Budapest Hotel. Jesus Christ. And all of those dudes are, are signed on to uh, executive produce the Stranger in a Strange Land TV series. That's which, a whole mess of people. It's a, it's a lot of people with huge credits. Yeah. And I'm like, where did sci- I, what I think sci-fi is doing <laughs> is they're taking the little bit of profit they get from like Z Nation and <laughs> shit like that right. and just funneling it back into their good shows like The Expanse. Jeez. And that's a bit I've been doing for like a while now because if you watch The Expanse, right. the special effects budget is fucking bonkers. Really? For any TV show. Okay. Let alone sci-fi original. Yeah. Do, um, wait, so quick question. and Quick I, answer. I, I, I'm, maybe I'm, incorrect, but... I'm not in the know. Do most TV shows have that many executive producers? Uh, I don't think so. I thought they usually capped out at like three. And I think even more so than that, if they do, it's something that happens over the progress of the series. Right, right. right? They like lose one, they pick up yeah, another. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But these guys are all signed on That's like, like before we even people. have like a cast. Yeah. Or even like a fuck? script. Huh. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm always down for a new sci-fi show. And by that, I mean the genre, not the, the, not the channel necessarily. <laughs> right. But that being said, I have been watching a new sci-fi show, which is Channel Zero, which is not a sci-fi genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a horror show. But anyway, uh, I'm excited. Like I said, uh, I fucking love Starship Troopers. Yeah. Well, I loved the book, but the sure. movie is one of my all-time favorite movies. Yeah. Very different. Um, very different. Oh, yeah. His whole like weird abstract political commentary that he puts mm-hmm. in all of his books oh, yeah. is fucking awesome. Yeah, definitely. So so Heinlein is is I mean, probably not anymore, but growing up, he was one of my favorite authors. Mm-hmm. Uh Heinlein is one of those that it gets kind of dated, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like it, sometimes I re- a lot of his writing style and specifically the political commentary mm-hmm. doesn't hold up. Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, I it's funny because I loved his books as a kid. I absolutely love them. And don't get me wrong. I still think that they're rad, but I reread specifically stranger in a strange land, like three years ago, two years ago. And it's kind of tough. Yeah. It's very period without, while being a future. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Like it's, so it's really cool because Heinlein was actually really, really good at social commentary for his time. And he was really, really fucking good at coming up with new concepts. I think that that's what probably his strongest suit was in writing. Uh, he's, He's not fantastic at his prose, I would say, and he did definitely. And, and I mean, that's a thing, right? Like that's a lot of sci-fi authors, including Asimov, weren't really great at prose, but they didn't need to be because they were really fucking good at being like smart as fuck. Right. And so they really focused on really nailing down conjecture and like, I don't prescience. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and they were really good at that, especially Heinlein. Like he was really good at, at things. He came up with these concepts that he would just drop into his novels, like Grok. Yeah. Grok is right. a th- that's a thing. That's a word now that actually came from Stranger in a Strange Land, and all sorts of things like that. That he was really good at just kind of nailing down these weird, for lack of a better term, kind of alien concepts 
that aren't at all alien. That it's just like something that no one had really thought of before. Right. And it's also really neat because, as you said, he was really good at just dropping some fucking knowledge on your head. Oh, yeah. That's that's like the entirety of Starship Troopers is basically just like inner dialogue. Right, as, right, right. As, as Johnny kind of experiences the transition between civilian life into military life. And it's basically just him recounting like kind of what is happening in his head. It's an, and it's, it's kind of a precursor in that way to like Ender's game. Yeah. yeah Ender's, Ender's game has like five action sequences. Everything else is dialogue and inner uh, conflict. Right. Really, really like psychological. Whereas the movie adaptation was an intergalactic romp. <laughs> they were going with action scenes. Oh, right. And so, yeah, like Starship Troopers, the book is very like, Let's really think about what it is to be a citizen and what that means and what like that role should entail in terms of participation, basically. And and don't get me wrong, some of it I absolutely don't agree with. Uh, in my in my formative in my formative years, I, I agreed with it a lot more. Yeah. And as I've gotten older, and I reread Starship Troopers just a few years ago. And I, I was like, oh, I didn't, I do not agree with as much of this, not nearly as much of this as I used yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. When I first read Starship Troopers, I think I was like twelve, and I was like, this is the shit. This is nothing but truth. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I read it again at like twenty-two, and I was like, Ooh. maybe, yeah, this, maybe his brain was melting. Yeah, but anyway, Stranger and Stranger is goddamn incredible. The story's super mega cool, and uh, I, I would love to see. What the, what this becomes. Yeah, and we talked about it today that it's going to be interesting, like Westworld, to see mm-hmm. how they stretch such a short story mm-hmm. into a series. Yeah. Um, but it, for anyone out there who's watching Westworld, which I've said this about a lot of shows, mm-hmm. but if you're not watching Westworld, you need to check your shit. Yeah, it, um, Westworld is absolutely goddamn incredible. But it'll be interesting to see how they stretch. Yeah. Honestly, Stranger in a Strange Land, even over a season, right. let alone if it yeah, continues. That So, again, because so much of it is just, like, basically like inner dialogue it's really hard to do that on 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 the screen Mm -hmm. right like first and foremost stranger strangeland isn't a long book anyway and then two there's like six things that happen in Mm -hmm. that book so i i think that they're absolutely going to extrapolate which is really cool because the actual world of stranger strangeland is mega and i think that that's mostly what it's going to be I mean, it probably will feature the main character, but it's going to be more about the entire world and the in the in the sort of lore and mythos as sure. opposed to just his direct experience, right. because that is five minutes long. Which I mean, it's cool because they absolutely can do that, right? Like in Stranger in a Strange Land, spo- spoiler alert, I guess for like a forty-year-old book, um, fifty-year-old big, yeah, big. Uh, uh, it's a pen, um, right, right, big pen. Wrote it all on paper, so you have to go pick up a transcript. <laughs> uh, the Martians, there, there are aliens, and they have a really, really cool, mega cool culture that's really highly detailed. And you don't get to see a ton of it in the books. It's mainly just like his thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that explored in a TV show. Absolutely. I that think that would be very cool. Yeah, very, very cool. So, gleam glomming on over into the science land. God, who are you, me? <laughs> uh I wanted to talk about some Kickstarter shit because that's where I where I be in my life. Um, so this is really neat. So it is a product called Sense, S-E-N-C-E. And the tagline is the evolution of mindfulness and productivity. I swear to God, I thought this was just like a money belt. 
that holds all your scents. I fucked up. I looked at the wrong page. It's homonyms. It's easily confusable. So this is a really cool product, I think. Um, again, it's one of those that until you use it, it's really hard to tell if it's just bullshit or yeah. not. However, the video seemed really fucking cool. And if it does what it says it does, I think it's a really neat product. So anyway, getting right on to it. Uh, it's raised as of today. It's raised ninety one thousand and fifty eight dollars of a hundred thousand. So it's almost there. It probably will hit. It's got nine days to go. I think it's got it. And what this product does is you wear it kind of like a watch, uh, but it doesn't tell God time or anything. It. Unfortunately, he and is it, compelled to talk about watches. It's true. Unfortunately, this doesn't actually operate as a watch as far as I know. But yeah, so basically you strap it to your wrist and it detects your actual mood. Basically like a mood ring watch accoutrement. Right. But it's it's pretty cool. And I, I again, I have no idea how well it works, but it says it can track 64 different emotional states. Uh, and it can actually track your physical exertion and recovery. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can wear it when you're working out, and it'll actually, like, track your progress, not just, like, your heart rate, et cetera. Right. Not sure. But it can also detect, like, your stress and, like, overall health, et cetera. So it's kind of stuff like we were talking about last week. But what's really neat about it is it actually will, like, track your macros for you, basically, and then tell you, like, all right, bro. Like every day around like three to six, you get real upset. Something you're doing right around there, you need to stop and stuff like that. So it'll actually tell you yeah. so that you can kind of identify patterns in your life and you can identify like what's causing you happiness, what's causing you stress. And then you can try to hopefully then focus on the things that make you happy and, and you know, stop doing so much of the stuff that causes you stress. Unfortunately, that's probably your job. Um, can't do anything like that. Yeah, it's kind of probably going to be like right here when you played Overwatch for five hours, <laughs> life was great. And then the next morning when you woke up and went to work, everything was bad. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Flip those two. You yeah. should prioritize that Overwatch. I think it's really cool. And again, I I wish I knew how well it worked, but it seems like a really cool thing to have. Yeah. Because it basically operates almost like a life coach. For right, you. right, right. So it's like, okay, well, I know that I've been really stressed out lately, but I can't really identify like what's going on. And then it's like, oh, well, when I get around fucking Jim James, I fucking, <laughs> which is the guy we know. Yeah. Uh, man, like it's, it's given me, it's given me some like negatives. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's cool, man. Yeah, I definitely am a big fan of any sort of like advanced technology that is like sort of facilitating self-improvement. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of started with the whole like um, the watch thing, like the uh, what are you, fitness trackers. Right, right. Um, but now we're getting all this other stuff that's coming out more and more like put this thing on your head and it'll glimpse you down to Slurpee Town whenever right, you're right. feeling like a goof. <laughs> Uh, and wear this watch and it'll tell you how many sleeps you got. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's really, really cool. It's it's cool to see daily low impact wearable technology that like tracks your health and helps you self-improve without yeah. being like obtrusive. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I, I think it's really cool because maybe some of these, I don't know, again, I don't know one, how well it works and two, like how perceptive it would be. But it is cool that like. You know, you might just be totally missing stuff in your life. You might totally be not recognizing that like, oh, some of this shit's really causing me to be upset. Oh, well, my watch is telling me exactly what times that's happening. And it apparently will just tell you in real time. Like, hey, bro, you're getting stressed. And like, that can be cool. Maybe you need a reminder. Right. I mean, and, and it's one of those things that like, I have no idea because I've never used it. I don't know how useful that would be, but it sounds like it might be fucking useful. 
It's like, oh, shit. Okay, well, I am, I am stressing out right now. Maybe yeah. I should stop doing what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah, I need a little screen window on my eye that shows me vocab words because I just quickly Googled obtrusive to make sure I use the right word. <laughs> I also need a self-doubt alarm because I was totally right. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so there's that. So hopefully they smash their goal and hopefully uh, I can pick one of these motherfuckers up. Okay, so uh, grappling hooking on over into <laughs> video games, uh, which is topical. We wanted to talk about the new Assassin's Creed game, which, oh. don't get it twisted, we don't know shit about it. We yeah. don't know the we location. Have we have some dreams. We don't know anything about the characters or the glimpse glamps or the chorpy blorpies. What we do know is it's coming out next year, confirmed by mm-hmm. Oobs. Uh, and the whole point I wanted to talk about was they're like super changing up the philosophy of the game with this next one. Uh, it's always risky, right? They did that with fucking Unity, and most people hated it, except for me and Garrett, because we have good opinions, and everyone else has bad opinions. Absolutely. Uh, but anyway, so what they're kind of wanting to do is expound even further upon the open world mechanic. Right. And step even further away from, like, scripted stories. Fucking and, shit. Yeah, literally what they want to do is, so essentially, um, the chief creative officer did this interview that I read, and some of the stuff that he talked about was how... As we advance in gaming, the game itself actually becomes less important. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said what interests him is to, like, make worlds that are interesting to him even as a tourist. Right. And when you come across other characters or players in the world, they are interesting and it's up to you to amuse yourself within that world. Right. There's not, like, a linear narrative with, like, non-interactive cutscenes that you're just frozen in watching this story and then you, like, play out the little action sequences betwixt. Right. It's just, here's this world... You go in, you create your own story, you have your Ugh. own fun. Uh, it's s- semi-procedural, mm-hmm. and that's their whole plan for the next game. Yeah, um, that's so, so fucking cool, man. And it's very interesting because if you think about the progression we've seen of Assassin's Creed games, every November, we've gotten a new one, and then they've announced the next one. Okay. Well, last year, we got Syndicate, and they announced there's not going to be one this year. Right. Then this year in November... They announced this huge, mm-hmm. like, philosophy change for the future of the series. Sure. But yeah, so they basically, the plan is to have these tools within the game so that player can create their own fun and not have a storyline. Oh. Now, I don't know how that's going to work out. I know that there's a lot of Assassin's Creed haters out there that after the first two games just fucking are done with it. And that's fine, honestly. It's not Fools. even... It's Honestly, it's not even one of those things that I feel like coming in inflammatory about. Because I can see why people would actually not like the Assassin's Creed games because really? I didn't like them when they first came out. Really? I didn't like Assassin's Creed until Black Flag. Huh. So I can't judge people for liking Weird. the first two and not the later ones. I actually have liked all of them. Yeah, and, and there are people who do. Yeah. There are people who like all of them. There's people who like the beginning. There's people who like the new stuff. Uh, for me personally, it didn't hook me until Black Flag, and that was obviously because of the piracy. Oh, yeah. Um, I paid for the game. I mean, the gameplay. <laughs> um game about pirates people right 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 but yeah so i'm very 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 curious to see where this goes yeah um hopefully the the very slight uh rumor about it maybe being in egypt is true oh man um we require a grappling hook ubisoft never again can you do an assassin's creed without a grappling hook yeah come on um one thing that he also talked about was sort of uh the fable type shit of like Mm -hmm. all of your choices impact the future of the world right which fake fable stuff Right, the stuff that, that Peter Molyneux lied about at the beginning when, <laughs> before Fable came out. Yeah. Uh, so the new Assassin's Creed is going to have all that, knock right. on wood. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm very curious. I hope that they don't talk too highly of it, sure. n- like Molyneux Classic or like No Man's mm-hmm. Sky, and then not deliver on what they've said. 
Um, but I personally trust uh, Ubisoft to deliver on the mechanics in Assassin's Creed. Yeah. My only skepticism would come from possible bugs. Mm-hmm. But again, you and I had zero bugs, zero bugs when we played Unity. I fell through a glass window once. Yeah. One time. One. I had like one moment of a frame rate drop, and that was in a specific place on a church with a stained glass window that was just a bug that everyone, anytime right. I went past that stained glass window, had right. a frame rate drop. And it didn't affect anything. Right. I didn't lose a mission or get stuck or <laughs> right. anything. Yeah. Um, I didn't have like a bunch of issues with pop-in, which was a huge mm-hmm. complaint I saw online. But yeah, so I'm fucking excited. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, Ubisoft is focusing on this, but they did say that they are still going to have games with narratives and, and sure. storylines sure. and, and be more linear in terms of progression. But yeah, they, they definitely are looking at, at the very least, Assassin's Creed and Far Cry. Oh, man. Uh, oh. Heading heading towards this. And, and even, oh, Far Cry too. Well, yeah, if, and Cry if you well. think about it, the Far Cry games have already, Far Cry 4 already was moving sort of towards that. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. There, yeah. there was a narrative, but it was very minor. And it was a lot of it was just hard open world where you could yeah. just go do things True. in whatever order you wanted. True. Um, and kind of primal. Yeah, definitely primal. They yeah. did still have like, here's this mission, mm-hmm. which is something that they want to sort of start to move away from. Sure. Um, but man, I'm fucking pumped. Yeah, dude. I, I, I think this is cool because it's, I think it's the natural progression, right? So... More and more games have been going, you know, more and more open world, which is really, really cool. But we've noticed kind of this this trend for a while that like the more and more open world it was, kind of the more linear the actual stories were within that those open worlds. Uh, in in terms of the narrative, I would say, right? Like GTA Five, like huge fucking world, but like solid lockdown narrative that you you could do it in different orders and what have you. And you could choose kind of how you did it, but at the same time, like it had a beginning, middle, and an end. Right. And, you, and, and, even, and, even then, and even then, there were times in which it would lock you down. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you have to switch over to Franklin and play these missions, or right. you can't continue any missions right. with Trevor and Michael until you do that. Right. And so, I think the natural progression as technology grows is is this: it's open world, more and more and more open world, and then so the next progression from there is let you do whatever the fuck you want. And kind of Wildlands is getting into that, right? Right, yeah, exactly. And uh but yeah, I think that Assassin's Creed is perfectly suited for it because there is so much potential there for like ambiguity within history right. that you could just kind of like dip into your own thing. Also kind of that what was it called? That vampire game. The vampire game that uh we talked about a while back, the one that's vampire? like Vampire? Is it Oh yeah, yeah, it's just called Vampire, <laughs> yeah. Uh and kind of like that, right? Where it's like kind of an open world and it's make your own choices, right. but do your own thing and do it your way. And I feel like that's kind of in this vein as well. And so, yeah, I would, games I would, in this vein. Yeah. So yeah, I, I absolutely think that it would work with Assassin's Creed, especially with like, because again, of how open-ended the Templar are. And right. so you could just be like, you could kind of do it kind of a la crackdown, but like times 10 where it's like, okay, you have like 78 goddamn Templar bosses and you can just choose which ones you take out. Right. And then like, then the game will kind of improvise what happens with the other ones. That would even work. Right. And I would love that. It's like, yeah, like we put a whole mess of characters that still have all these cool personalities in there. But then the world is going to change depending on like what you do to, th- to them and how they would react. I would think I think that would be cool. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm really curious just to see the actual vision that they've created, because sure. obviously it's going to be a couple more months before we really find anything out about the game. Yeah. Hopefully um, it's Egypt. Whew. Man, I want an Egypt assassin. Just Creed. fuck my shit up. Yeah. 
So in movie land, we're also going to talk about an old as fuck sci-fi IP, which I'm real mega pumped about. Yeah. So we this is a second old as fuck sci-fi IP that we've talked about <laughs> yeah. today. So Frank Herbert's Dune, which is an award-winning novel, which came out in 1965, so right after Stranger in a Strange Land. It's an incredible work. I, I absolutely love it. I haven't read all of the books in the series. Oh, there, are, there are a handful. It's a lot to read. Yeah, and it's it kind of suffered from the that same thing. thing. It doesn't hold up as well over time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it does better uh, because it's so much more alien. Right, right. It's very abstract. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't deal with like really any concepts that we're familiar with. Yeah. So there's nothing to compare it to. Yeah, absolutely. So th- the best way, I, I actually was talking to Taylor a few months ago about Dune. Her dad was recommending Dune to her. And, mm-hmm. I, and I was like, yeah, you absolutely should read it even if you don't really like sci-fi that much, because it's so, first and foremost, it's so goddamn good. But secondly, it's so different from pretty much everything else. Right. That like, I don't know, you don't really have to like sci-fi to like it. I don't know. It's its own thing. But anyway, uh, Dune is goddamn incredible. And it it inspired a lot of modern day sci-fi, including, I mean, Star Wars, which, which came out, you know, pretty, pretty quick after there after that but um yeah like dune is is fantastic and it's had it's had some stuff it's had some movies it's had it had a tv show right mm-hmm. and uh all of that shit was trash mm-hmm. and it, honestly to be perfectly real technology just wasn't really up to snuff yeah it, it, got, it was the point where you couldn't have at that time you couldn't have job of the hut in a new hope <laughs> Right, right. Now, now you can. Mm-hmm. And you can even go back and fix your mistake. Right. Just throw Jabba the Hutt in A New Hope. Right. But, um, <laughs> yes. But now we have enough technology that movie or TV you could actually portray Dune. And it's awesome. So, yeah. So, anyway, backtracking. I, so, what I was telling Taylor is that it's basically kind of like Game of Thrones in space. Yeah, absolutely. That is a <laughs> great comparison. Yeah, it's 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 like feudalism and like houses and like there's royalty, but yeah, mainly it's it's kind of these like three or I don't remember if it's three or four. It's been a few years. Uh, very important houses, just mm-hmm. like in Game of Thrones, that are kind of vying for resources. And so the main character is from House Atreides, and they're kind of the good guys. Uh, you know. As much as much as you could be good guys in this in this universe, I will say this: Atreides is a very cool sci-fi last name. Mm-hmm. Paul, not so much <laughs> of a cool sci-fi first name. Paul Atreides, but yeah. So it's basically just a la Game of Thrones. It's just like houses fighting one another in sometimes full on with like armaments mm-hmm. and directly, and then but a lot of times like through like court subterfuge. Yeah. So it's really cool because you're getting to see this this like. Not even a modern day take on it, but it's it's like a future take on like court politics, mm-hmm. and it's really neat. And it gets into some really cool concepts. I, I, they don't go so far as like Star Wars with like the Force, but they get really goddamn close to it. Where yeah. there's some people that can do shit in Dune that are supposed to be just normal humans that normal humans can't really, as far <laughs> yep. as I know, do. And uh, but it's really neat, and just seeing all of it play out. There's like human computers that is just like a human that has trained their mind so much so that like they're a supercomputer. Right. That's fucking incredible. There's like warrior priestesses that can just get you. They can just like tell you what you're going to do and you're going to fucking do it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just fucking awesome. Anyway, Dune is incredible. I think that a TV show would be absolutely fucking fantastic. A movie would be absolutely fantastic. 
Uh, I think that it's something that would hold up. And I think that it's something that would really work with modern day audiences. Yeah, and that's the cool thing about it is that they bought both the movie and TV rights. And that was something yeah. that was specifically mentioned is that they are both there, which is potential for either. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's also cool because apparently, and I have no idea how to pronounce this dude's name, but Dennis Villanovu? I don't, I don't Sounds good. I don't know. I'm not good with this. But um, he actually directed Arrival, which we just talked about mm-hmm. the other day. And uh, he has actually expressed a strong desire to adapt the book into film, mm-hmm. which would be goddamn incredible. It remains to be seen if he's actually chosen to do that, et cetera, et cetera. But he has staked a claim, basically, like, hey, right. I want to do this. And I think that he would be really good for that because it would be a lot more action-y, I think, than Arrival. Right. But it, at the same time, a lot of the philosophical concepts are just as as uh, strong in Dune Absolutely. as in Arrival. Absolutely. So yeah, it's something that Dune does very well. Is like there is action, there is there is like cool battles and and fighting, but there's also a lot of just like philosophy and just psychology and getting in people's heads and like fucking court intrigue and yeah, manipulation. It's really cool. Yeah, it's very fucking cool. So anyway, yeah, I think that that'd be fucking badass. Yeah, I'm excited. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's it for uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide up. Oh, we'll see y'all Thursday. See you next time.